Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith, Yellow. the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Dave, Illinois 6th Congressional District encompasses parts of Cook, DuPage, Lake, Kane, and McHenry counties. It was once a Republican stronghold, represented by the likes of Peter Roskam right. and the legendary Henry Hyde. Henry Hyde, our Not hero. Not anymore. Pro-abortion Democrat Sean Caston now represents the newly redrawn district. He's facing a primary challenge from fellow pro-abortionist, current 3rd District U.S. Representative Marie Newman. And both of them are radical leftists. Yep, you bet. Our guest is Scott Casper. Mr. Casper is one of six Republican candidates trying to unseat Representative Caston. He's pro-life, pro-family, pro-America, and pro-liberty. And Dave, he has the endorsement of Illinois Family Action. Absolutely. Out of all these great candidates, and you have a lot of good opponents out there, um, you just, the cream rose to the top. You know, we had a chance to interview you. Here you speak at a couple events, and we said... We like Scott. And so the board of directors and I, we met, and we all agreed. So I Why like do when we that like happened. Scott? Well, he's pro-life. He's pro-family. He's got some real-life experience. He's not a government employee, <laughs> right? He's never had political office before, so he's not a snollygoster, at least not yet. He's an outsider. <laughs> he's an outsider. <laughs> and, um, and he's, of course, got a family and two kids, and he lives in Orland Park, and I think all that kind of combines to make him a great candidate for the uh, the time and season. Mr. Casper, welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. You're a lifelong resident of the 6th District. Uh, you're a trial lawyer, business person, and... Uh, He's a mechanical y- engineer. You're a mechanical engineer. Man, <laughs> And you're young. How'd you get all this in? <laughs> he must yes, be I, smart. I do value. I do value school. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're affiliated with the Heritage Foundation. Sure. And uh, Turning Point USA. That's right. A couple. Of you're on the board of directors with them. No, I, I. But I do work closely with the board of directors. Okay. I've worked, you know, closely with Charlie Kirk the last few years, and and uh, uh, you know, it's it's been a really uh, satisfying experience to work with Turning Point to see. Um, students in college right now, and I can't even imagine being in college right now, uh, but these students who are going against all odds right now, fighting the good fight, and Turning Point is there to, to help them every step of the way. You know, Turning Point has been influential in my older kids' lives. Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, all these guys, Charlie Kirk, all of them have come on the scene at the same time to really uh, help young people um, be disabused of this notion of socialism's great, <laughs> right? Well, your father fled communism, right? That's right. That's right. He, and, and, yeah, tell us the story, Scott. Yeah, and so that had to really kind of shape your point it's, of view. It's important, your background, yep. yeah. No, it's, 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 it's fundamental to, to, to why, why I'm here right now. Um, you know, my dad grew up in Latvia, and he was a kid, but when the communists invaded and took over Latvia and uh, took over their family farm, they were dairy farmers, uh, and they gave them 24 hours. I mean, they were kind. They gave them 24 <laughs> hours to get out or, or, or else, and the or else was to be shipped off to Siberia, you know, never to see oh, uh, wow. family or friends again. And so my father uh, and his family, they escaped, you know, basically in the middle of the night. Uh, as they were escaping, uh, the, the Russians were attacking them at the same time, um, you know, flying uh, Russian uh, fighter jets overhead, shooting on them as they were trying to get out of, you know, the country. Uh, they sneaked on board a German vessel that took them to Germany, uh, and they they basically hid in Germany uh, until the, the war ended. And miraculously, when the war ended, they found themselves in the U.S. occupied zone, uh, which is where they remained for the next five years until they could come over to United States. What a huge blessing. Yeah, yeah. it was. To Someone, be on the right side of that w- divide. Right, right. Wow. Wow. Someone should make a movie about this. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. 
So let me ask you, when you see Governor Pritzker shutting down churches during the pandemic, hmm. uh, but keeping certain businesses open, uh, and you hear the Biden minister, I'm sorry. <laughs> so when you see Governor Pritzker shutting down churches during the pandemic, but keeping certain businesses open, and you hear the Biden administration refer to concerned public school parents as domestic oh, terrorists. Man, oh, man. And then there's the creation of the Federal Disinformation Bureau. What goes through your mind? How many different alarms are going off in your head? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really frightening to hear all of that. And look at the pandemic. And I think us parents, the pandemic really was a wake-up call. You know, we, we got to see what was going on in our schools. We got to see what was going on in our government. To have our government uh, characterizing certain businesses as essential and, and, and basically everything else is non-essential – um, you know, picking and choosing who would, who would be able to make a paycheck and who would have to go on the, you know, the government dole for right. the next two years. Right. And really a, a frightening time. And, and, and under the guise of health, you know, we had a, a – you mentioned Governor Pritzker, you know, the health czar, this, this 800-pound health czar. Uh, <laughs> Literally. You know, who, who, <laughs> who, be nice, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> but if this was about health – why do we keep the pot stores open? Why right? do we keep the liquor stores open? <laughs> why do we shut down the gyms? You know, this had nothing to do with health. And, and, and certainly, why did we shut down the churches? The first thing you mentioned, um, you know, taking away uh, all these, these, these sort of outlets where people um, get their, their strength and their hope from. Um, but taking all that away. Well, yeah. you, you make a great point. It's not about health. They even shut down regular exams, regular checkups, regular, and right. then all of a sudden we're, we're surprised to see how many people are now in stage four cancer, right? right. Like, whoa, well, if they were open, I would have caught it two years ago, right? That's right. You know, it's, yeah. Wow. Uh, boy, our nation right now is really concerned about violence. Couple mass shootings recently, and we have everyday violence on the streets of Chicago, and it's infiltrating uh, the, our suburbs. The Memorial Day weekend was disastrous. And you have people saying, well, we absolutely have to have more gun control. Uh, we need to limit the certain kinds of rifles. And now we see the uh, premier of Canada, Canada the, Mr. Trudeau wanting to outright ban handguns. Wow. Uh, what approach do we need to be taking to curb some of this violence? Yeah, and it's such a reactionary thing that they're doing, you know, taking away handguns. You know, they did that in London, so then all the terrorists started switching to kitchen knives. Now they're trying to ban kitchen knives. I mean, it's, it, it's not the weapon. It's, it's, it's the person. It's the actor. And if you look behind so many of these situations... Uh, such as you know the the, the recent shooting in, in Texas, it's people who have severe mental health uh, issues. It's people who, you know, never is in an instance where it's it's someone who goes to church regularly, who has a family, who has a job. It's never that person, right? It's always someone who's unplugged from society, someone who's lost all hope, and uh, for whatever reason, they 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 take to that sort of extreme violence, glued um, to social media, most likely, right? Yeah, right. And addicted to other substances. Right. And maybe not a father in the home, a good father in the home. That's right. right. Speaking of that, boy, uh, our policies seem to um, yep. dictate it, that, well, you're better off if you're receiving, receiving government aid not to have a father in the home. What could you do in Congress to say, no, we need to be pro-father? Right. I think it's clear there's been an attack on the American family the last several decades, and, and we're at a point now where it's just absurd, where we're, you know, we're, we're promoting alternative lifestyles uh, as sort of the future of this country, something that biologically doesn't work, right? Uh, something that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't create family, that doesn't create the next generation. Um, and, you know, if you look at so much of the, uh, the crime that's, that's spilling out in the suburbs, it's affecting us out here. Absolutely. But a lot of that originates in the city. Uh, it's gang-related, and you have uh, young children who get pulled in the gangs because they have no fathers. That's exactly right, and, Scott. And they're turning to something uh, to feel, you know, a, that they belong to something, uh, some sort of, of make-believe family. But it's a, it's a very dangerous family that rewards, you know, criminal behavior. 
And so you have these these young children in the, in the inner city who join these gangs, um, you know, and the gangs are just in place to to traffic uh, guns and weapons and money. I mean, they're they're in place for nothing good for that, those children. They're there to make money, right? Yeah. You know, I, I want to stick with that for a second. Um, the the um, politicians in Chicago won't say what you just said. No. Why? 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 Why are? Is it politically incorrect? I mean. I get the whole idea of being compassionate to the single mother. I get that. You know, we want her to choose life. We want her to be able to raise that child. But to ignore the fact that fathers have a role in the upbringing of their children and a productive, healthy society, we can't just glance over that and say, it's okay. You can do it. Power to the women, right? I mean, that's kind of a feministic uh, viewpoint of it all. But is is it so politically incorrect to say what you just said apparently it is but you look at like chicago and all the problems they're having and it's all at the heart of it there's all this gang activity and they won't admit it and they won't you know they, they talk about well they talk about gun control right then they talk about putting more regulations on on law-abiding citizens right well let's talk a little bit more about gun control because we get this knee-jerk reaction after the Texas shooting, horrible, horrible, horrible. Couldn't imagine being a parent there. But let's outlaw guns. I mean, this is as crazy as saying let's outlaw cars because we have so many drunk drivers on the road. It doesn't make sense to me. And I'd love to see the stats. I don't have the numbers in front of me. How many 18, 19, 20-year-olds buy a quote-unquote assault weapon um, every year and do nothing with it but go to the range? Right. <laughs> right. Right. The, the number of people misusing, you know, to hurt other people has got to be infant, infinitesimal. Did I say that right? <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's pass. <laughs> that's all true. And you look, there's, there's something like 300 million guns in America. So to try to ban guns, uh, it's an impossibility. You can't. You can't ban guns. You can try, and I think you'll have a civil war if you try. Well, yeah, <laughs> here in America, for sure, you'll have that. But, but it's proof that you know we have three hundred million guns. We have, you know, we have. Um, I know a lot of people have multiple weapons. Yeah. Um, for for various different reasons. That's right. You know, they may be avid hunters. They may just want weapons for self protection. That's right. Um, those those weapons don't wake up in the middle of the night and start shooting people. You know, they, they, it requires a, a person to actually, Amen. actually do the acting. And, and you know, we need to look at what is underlying that sort of violence. And, you know, and, and I think it's a destruction of the American family. Right. I think it's, it's, you know, we've collectively turned our backs on, on God and moved exactly. away from, from church. And, and all the things that, that used to promote uh, healthy lifestyles, you know, we've walked away from. And surprisingly... Uh, not surprisingly to me, but you know, surprisingly, mental health uh, exactly. Explodes. No, you're, I think you, you you're right on when you say we've turned our back on God, we've drifted away from Him, and and, and the Scripture is very clear: the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what Jeremiah says. And and so when we drift away, we tend to forget who God is. Right. And if we're not seeking Him and His ways, well, we go after our own ways, which are wicked. That's right. You're pro-Second Amendment, but how does that fly in your district, the 6th Congressional District, which once was a Republican, right. but now it's Democrat? And let's dig into that. How about the women, the mama bears? Are they, you know, how are they going to respond? Because they're compassionate. They can, I can see them saying, no more guns. What do you think? How do you message this, Scott, in, yeah. uh, without offending a whole lot of people? Yeah, you're knocking on doors. Well, yeah. they're going to bring that up, I yeah. Yep, <laughs> if they haven't already, right? You know, I, I think if we had gone back a few years, uh, you, you know, you, you go back to um, uh, uh, some of those mass shootings during the Obama administration, for example, you had those mama bears, uh, uh, suburban women, we'll say, uh, who wanted gun control. Mm-hmm. And at that time, maybe it made a little bit more sense here locally because crime was not what it is today. Um, and very good point. We, we're we're in a, a, a sort of a public safety crisis right now, where the crime 
from the city has poured out. It's all over the Cook County Smash side. Smash and grab, carjacking, right. all this. Right. Women feel vulnerable. I feel you've got to want to take your extra precautions, right? Right. And, you know, going back to the shooting in Texas, you know, they used to say um, when seconds count, police are minutes away. You know, right? right? Um, well, even if they're right outside the door, they weren't storming the the building. And so it's almost incumbent on us. We've got to take responsibility. Um, and what are your thoughts, we're all over the place, on hardening the schools? How mm -hmm. do we harden schools and not leave a door propped open so this young man could just walk in and open fire? Yeah, I'm in favor of putting police in the schools. Amen. And certainly if a, if a teacher uh, wants to, to bring a, a weapon for their own self-protection, they have that constitutional right. Um, we live in a state where in order to do that, uh, well, I guess actually schools are a gun-free zone, so I guess it couldn't happen in the state. But, but Not until they come to their senses, but yeah. But to, you know, to, to carry in this state currently, you, you have you to go through a process, yep. which means you've gone through some sort of training. I, don't, I, I believe in constitutional carry. Uh, the Second Amendment says what it says. But, but at the same time, you know, if, if you have teachers who want to carry, that's one thing. I don't think we should re require teachers uh, to be armed. Instead, I think we should let police officers be in the school Amen. and have the professionals there who know how to use weapons and know how to secure perimeters and, 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 and confront situations. You know, I want to I, I backtrack a little, and just for clarification. Do you believe that maybe in this atmosphere with crime now shifting to the suburbs that a lot of women in particular, women voters, are saying, I need the right to protect myself. I, th I think it's at least a growing trend, and the district is really interesting because half of it's in the Cook, half it's in Cook County, and we're sitting in the Cook County side right now, and half it's in DuPage County. And, and the difference is that one county enforces the laws and one does not, <laughs> so and, true. It, and it makes a big difference in the crime. <laughs> so, so true. So it, you know, in, in, in DuPage County, we have a, a state's attorney, Bob Berlin, who. Who uh, and a sheriff Jim Mendrick, who they catch criminals, they prosecute them, they put them away, yeah. and you what? see, yeah, and you see <laughs> that idea. you see the crime drop off precipitously over that border because of that. In fact, towns like Oakbrook that straddle both counties, uh, oftentimes when the when the police arrest someone, you know the the criminals will ask, "What county am I in?" Uh -huh. and the cop will say, "The wrong one. You're going to jail." <laughs> <laughs> But unfortunately, we're in the Cook County side where, uh, you know, Kim Fox does not enforce the laws. And, well, and because of that, George Soros money. Right. It's by design. But because of that, we have, you know, the, the gangs come out here to do their car shopping, although they're not actually buying vehicles. They just steal them. And they like to come to places like Tinley Park and Orland Park. Uh, why? Because there's nice cars down here. And second, because there's easy ways to get out of here. You know, they I can get on I-94, 57. Oh, they're all there. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so you look at, you know, the Tenley Park Police and the Oron Park Police, uh, especially along like 159th Street where there's all, all those dealerships. You know, on the weekends, it's, it's, a, it's a war zone. You know, yeah. and, and they're, they're just trying to keep it from uh, contained at this point, right? And, but it's, it's all carjackings and... And uh, and then smash that, and grab. Some of that spills over into retail theft in the malls. That's right. And um, so I think there, I, I hear from a lot of uh, female voters, women, uh, mothers, uh, who who are learning how to use a weapon and and are carrying a handgun and you know getting their their uh, concealed carry permits and so forth um, because they're scared. Amen. Wow. And well, the sanctity of life, which is vitally important to you, right, um, includes all these people who are victims of this these crimes. Uh, anyway, we'll come back and talk about that in a minute. Well, we're speaking with a very thought-provoking candidate for the 6th District uh, Congressional seat, Scott Casper. We've got some other things to talk about Spelled after the with time a K. out. What is your website, Scott? It's a K, not a C. It's That's not right, Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's It sounds like that, but it's 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 Casper for Congress, and it's K-A-S-P-A-R. A-R. Forcongress.com, all spelled out. For Congress, okay. All right. Time out, and we'll talk to Scott some more after this.
Hail and well met. I'm Alyssa. I'm Eliana. I'm Kenna. And I'm Jenna. We are four females who, by discussing and dismantling subjects prevalent in the Western culture, want to make truth self-evident once again. We want to make current cultural events and worldview issues relatable to our peers and point all those listening to the gospel and what the Bible says. We are available on any platform you find a podcast. So please leave us a review, follow us on all the social medias, and please give us a listen. Self-evident, dedicated to speaking truths that were once self-evident and doing so in love. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with David Smith. Hello. He's the executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and the Illinois Family Action. We are joined by Scott Casper, Republican, seeking the nomination for 6th District uh, U.S. Representative. He has the endorsement of Illinois Family Action. That's right. Scott, If he really wants to go to the swamp, we say okay. <laughs> <laughs> You probably have to take a pay cut to go to the Congress. Just bring your hip waiters, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, the 6th District uh, has been redrawn. Yes. The old wise Democrats have done this, right? And uh, does this help or hurt you? It helps. It helps. Really? Yeah. You know, the, we're sitting in what was the old 3rd District, and then the DuPage half is a good chunk of the old 6th District. And... Both of those before were not actually terribly bad districts either. When they combined them, um, they actually kept a lot of the conservatives together, which is odd. Now, why would they do that? If you, if you look at the map, it's surrounded by uh, some really strange-looking districts. To the north is the 4th District, Chewy Garcia. Uh, to, the south, uh, well, to the south and wrapping all the way around it is the 1st District, which is, which is Bobby Rush's old seat. And what they, what they did is they created those two districts, which are, which are like D plus 37, I mean, very, very deep Democrat districts to protect those incumbents. Uh, those incumbents. Yeah. And those incumbents are very, uh, you know, uh, very, a strong part of the, the Chicago machine, we'll say. Yeah. And so it created the sixth district. And I guess they, you know, they, they don't care too much for uh, Sean, Cass. Sean Cass and Marie Newman because they threw the two of them together. One of them has to go home no matter what. And, and that's a victory for us Amen. right there. Amen, brother. <laughs> But I'd like to send both of them home. As a Fox, as a Sox fan, I would like to say goodbye. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but the, it created this district, which, based on 2020 data, it's like D plus four, D plus five. So um, wait a minute. Say it again. The sixth district is only a D plus five. Yeah. The, well, the the new sixth district, yeah. what they've drawn, is like a D plus four, D plus five. Wow. That's not which very is, much. Which is winnable in this environment. Oh, big time. And that's that's 2020 data. Uh, and, and I mention that because it probably hasn't shifted too much on the Cook County side, but on the DuPage County side, I do believe it's trended more conservative since 2020. Uh, y- you have a pocket of, of people who supported Marie Newman who live in the, the DuPage County side. Yeah. Uh, they supported her because she's a female. It was a lot of, um, a lot of mothers who supported her. Yeah. Um, and, with the environment now, with with you know, I, I guess this is a group of people that maybe the tweets were too mean, right? So they, right. that's why they voted the way they did in 2020. Uh, but it turns out that the carjackings, the crime, the seven dollar gas, all this stuff is, is going to eclipse that far worse than the mean <laughs> tweets. And, and and so they're trending. I think those voters are going to come back to the Republican Party in this election. Oh, will they? Uh, with from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> that's right. I, I'm. What if? Uh, the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Does that change the narrative? You know that uh, Republicans might be in for a real battle uh, come November. In some districts, yes. In this district, no. This really? district is is across party lines is 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 relatively pro-life. Um, there's a lot of uh, you know, and again we look at the two counties on the Cook County side. There's a lot of Catholics. In mm-hmm. DuPage, there's a lot of of evangelicals and Protestants. A lot of them have in common that they're pro-life. Um, the other thing is, even if so, this, this district goes up even almost to Wheaton, right? It's part. It's a, the the very western edge of Wheaton, so it, where it captures almost in the Wheaton. So it's Glen Ellen up there. Okay. Um, 
but there's a, you know there's a lot of it's it's it does not include Wheaton College, but it's right next to it, and, and it's definitely pulling from that area. Yeah, that's the evangelical capital of the world. That's at right. least it used to be. That's right. <laughs> so it's 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 a it's a it's a majority of the district uh, across party lines that's pro life. So and so even if you were a pro life Democrat, now they've gone so far, right? I mean, to advocate even to death the day of birth, right? right? Unbelievable. Um, th- that's too far for them. And most most Americans, as we've seen the polling, uh, want restrictions even in the second and third trimester. Right. So uh, that that is, I think, winnable, and maybe we can pull them in. That would yeah. be. I don't like to call them restrictions. I like to call them safeguards. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. okay. And, that's right. And think about it, too. Even a lot of these so-called pro-choice moms, well, they do like parental notice. Right. And and they do like... Right. Uh, they don't want to have taxpayer funding of abortion either. Right. And they don't want to be paying for someone's abortion who... It's not because of rape or incest. It's because they were careless. Right. And and the pendulum in Illinois has swung so far to the left. You know, the the other reason why this isn't... Why, why abortion is not necessarily the issue in this district... Uh, Illinois has codified, essentially codified Roe v. Wade all the way up to the point of, of birth and possibly beyond, which is disgusting. But, but so nothing's going to change in Illinois anytime soon. We have a Democrat supermajority in Springfield that, that's not going to be changing that decision anytime soon. So the, the panic really doesn't exist here in Illinois. Uh, but in this district, it's really not the, the issue that the Democrats hope it is. You know, you mentioned earlier about about there being conservative Democrats and who are pro-life. And there's quite a few conservative Democrats who are pro-life in this district, you know, on the Cook County side especially. Um, a lot of them tend to be members of the working trades, you know, police yeah, and firefighters. Absolutely. And, and they're conservative people when push comes to shove. Uh, a lot of them are Catholic. They're, they're pro-life. That part of the, of the of, you know, the old third used to be represented for a long time by Dan Lipinski, who was pro-life. Uh, Marie Newman pushed him out, dad, uh, and his dad was too. And, Bill Lipinski, yeah, right. And you know, Marie Newman pushed him out, and abortion was her big issue, right? That's right. But I don't think that's why she got elected. I think I think, you know, she took Dan out at the primary stage, and no one was paying attention. I know a lot of people who went to the polls in November 2020, and they went to vote for for their congressperson, and who's Marie Newman? You know, they where's Dan Lipinski? You know, they, they didn't know what had happened six months prior. Well, you know, the unfavorables for this current administration are at an all-time low. I mean, I just saw something, 26% in the Hispanic community approve of what Biden is doing. Uh, good night, Irene, man. You know, <laughs> if, if we can't, as Republican, as a Republican candidate, you know, wave the flags and say, hey, what, what it was it Trump that said? What do you got to lose? Come right. see me, right. <laughs> you know? Um, well, let me ask you, though, uh, and this is a question we ask during our vetting session. You're elected to the U.S. Uh, House, and there's a big omnibus spending bill. A lot of good stuff in there, a lot of waste, too. But, you know, there's money for the military and what have you. But it also includes funding for Planned Parenthood. What are you going to do if you're elected? And you know what? The leadership's twisting your arm. Come on, Scott. We need you on board here. We're going to do a lot of good things for our districts. We need your vote. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, Kevin McCarthy's not going to hear this interview anytime soon. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's but, on his playlist. I know that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going to be a thorn in the side on spending because Amen. we have these omnibus spending bills that show up at 3 a.m. Uh, they're they're three or four thousand pages long. There's everything in the kitchen sink is in that thing. Yep. Fun and then rating. and then they're like, hey, just just you know, you, you got to vote to to know what's in it. And, you know, pass it. <laughs> and I mean, that was Nancy, Nancy Pelosi's actual that's words, right? right? You know, right. we got to approve it to figure out what's in it. And and that's not how well, it's not how legislation should be done at all. But it's certainly not how the budget process should go. Right. It, it's supposed to start at the committee level, and everything in there is supposed to be debated. Uh, bipartisan debate on every item in there, and they reach some sort of compromise, and that becomes part of the of the whole budget. And then you know, 
when it finally gets to the floor for a vote, uh, everyone knows what's in there. Instead, it's it's being delivered by the Speaker of the House. It, it comes from the top, you know, it's in the eleventh hour. In the eleventh hour, no one knows it's in it, and and that's what's frightening. And and they they backdoor in things like funding Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers uh, under the guise of health care, which is it's just absurd. And and we end up as Republicans voting for it because we want usually military. That's usually why we we kowtow to these. Um, President Trump, when he first got in office. He signed the first omnibus spending bill and said, never again. Unfortunately, a year later, he signed another one. But um, we as Republicans and, and as conservatives need to say no more. And, we, and the best thing we can do in the next two years is to vote no on all this stuff. And it may grind our government to a halt. Frankly, I think that would be a good thing. <laughs> it would be, absolutely. But we can't be giving out all this money and then expecting our uh, inflation rates to remain right. you know, right. uh, status quo. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, you wrote on your website that in Congress you will invest in our children's education. Beautiful. And give parents more educational choice. Yes. Okay. Flush that out. Invest in our children's education. Does that mean more money for government schools? No. And, and <laughs> <laughs> perhaps the word is prioritize, right? Um, I, I think people like to think they're investing in education, uh, in their children's education, uh, not necessarily spending more money, but spending uh, more time, uh, investing more time, more more uh, parents need to be involved in their, in their children's pro- uh, educational Amen. process too. Amen. Um, not too, I would argue. I would say it's your primary job as a, a parent. Yeah. The supplements are the schools or the Sunday schools or the tutors or the piano lessons, whatever. Those are the supplements. Right. Your job is to teach. Right. Yeah. I, I think the argument can be made that, that the Department of Education is unconstitutional. Uh, it, it, it's something that was created in my lifetime, in all of our lifetimes, right? Yeah. And, and it was created probably for good intentions, but like every good intention, right, it, it's fallen apart. And it's being used to put federal money into programs like CRT yep. and into these other sort of woke uh, uh, disciplines. Amen. And it's not being used to put money into reading, writing, and arithmetic. And, and it's a scary thing because, you know, I'm an engineer. Uh, I like math and science. I'm not saying every kid has to like math and science, but, but we still need to teach that, or at least the fundamentals. And, and we still need to create an environment here in the United States where we're developing uh, the future engineers and the future scientists uh, of the world who, who are going to continue uh, American innovation. Instead, we've... we've We've decided to focus on all these social issues, uh, and and our kids are getting these these substandard educations on the the reading, writing, and arithmetic. Right, and, and equity is the goal now. Equity is the goal. Equity, and you know what? Here's the thing: is so number one, you said you think that Department of Education may be unconstitutional. You yeah. know, a good lawyer, Scott. Who might want to take something like that on? <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk to you about that later. But, no, no, totally agree. Would be love to see the Department of Education, at least federally, gone. But there is a reason why that we have this Common Core, and so many people are upset with it, and then something called World Core, because they want everyone at the same level. There's a reason why our new sex education standards here in Illinois is tied to the national mm-hmm sex education they want everyone being corrupted equally everyone being miseducated equally and everyone dumbed down right right except for those who are the elites who are able to send their kids to you know uh the schools that don't comply to these things that's exactly right and that's what they're doing the elites the elites send their kids to good schools yeah and they get these world-class educations and they go on to you know to run these 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 giant corporations and make a lot of money um, the other, you know, the other people in this world who are still teaching, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, mm-hmm. especially the arithmetic part, the Chinese and the Indians. Yep. And and they're dominating our, our engineering right now. Absolutely. And we're gonna put ourselves in, in a, a, a national security uh, crisis. We already are there, aren't we? We're probably already when, there. When we can't make chips here right. in our own backyards, that's a big problem. Right. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> There was something else. Oh, baby formula is another one, right? What, what in the world? Why can't we make baby formula here in America? Or, or are we limited just to one or two factories? Anyway, get off of that. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Well, you mentioned baby formula, and I saw I saw something last week that scared me. Uh, it, it was the U.S. Uh, I think it was the Army or the Marines, one of the, uh, a branch of our military, airlifting in baby formula from from an, from outside our country. Right. Right. That's a disgrace. That's not good. No, it's not good at all. You know, when I was in high school, you know, I was interested in politics and all that. Um, I was pretty much an isolationist and, hey, America doesn't need to be the policeman of the world. And then, you know, Reagan came around, you know, strength through, you know, uh, peace through strength, you right. know, type of thing. And, okay, yeah, I get that. Um, but now I'm sitting back and looking at this um, where we don't make chips and we don't have manufacturing plants and Chinese are owning more and more farmland in the United States. Yes, exactly. At, at what point do we say, no more. You can't have any more. Oh, we're couple. definitely there at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, you know, I, I watch Laura Ingram, and she says we need to decouple from China. Yeah. Is that possible? Long term, I think it is, and I think we have to seriously consider that. Um, we've gotten ourselves uh, pretty used to cheap products, right? Yeah. Going to going to Costco and getting cheap products, um, and it, it's really just a. a it, in a sense, it's 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 a backdoor into China and their manufacturing markets, and we need to move to other countries that are at least going to abide by you know basic standards of human rights and and um, and play fairly in, on on the world stage, respect our intellectual property, and and uh, pay their fair share. I mean, the Democrats want us to pay their fair share. China has to also pay its fair share, um, and that may mean moving manufacturing, ideally back here. Right. But. I think it's a transition that we have to go through to decouple, and, and it, you know it means moving manufacturing to other places in Asia. Uh, there are other Asian, other Asian countries. Um, you know, surprisingly, Vietnam is one of those uh, situations where we have a lot of manufacturing there, uh, and that government is not nearly as corrupt as what's going on in China. Uh, so it's it's baby steps to get us back, but we need to we need to have a long term plan to bring all manufacturing back to the United States. Well, when you think about the pandemic and some medical supplies right. that we couldn't get access to because they're made in China, uh, it, it bothers All me. All right, so going <laughs> going back to education choice, yes. though, real quick, because yes. yeah. this is a vitally important thing. Yes, it is. Would you advocate that states, not the federal government, implement vouchers? So let me start over. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. This allergy season. Yeah. Would you advocate that state governments? Let, let, can you start this whole sentence over? Sure. It'll, it'll be an easier edit for Jenna. All right. Uh, what did I? How did I start? Uh, well, going let, back let, to education. Let's go oh, yeah. back to education. Okay. Yeah. So let's go back to education and yep. talk about the fact that uh, okay, so the federal government shouldn't be involved. Right. But state governments should be enabling, empowering parents. By giving uh, resources to the par- to the parents by the children, you know, for the children to follow them wherever those parents choose. This is the way out of Common Core, World Core, and Equity, right? Is you know, no parent, and I bet you're one too, uh, doesn't uh, would never think that their child is common, right? <laughs> right? They want excellence, and you as a father, you and your wife could probably identify, hey, child number one is going to excel over here. Child number two, well, they're, they're not going to do well over there, but they're going to do well over here. That's right. And you can train them and encourage them in that way, can't you? Yeah. I mean, I mean obviously, you, you math and science and the law, that was your thing. <coughs> Sorry. No, you're exactly right. And I do believe in school choice. You know, the, the money, wherever it comes from, uh, the state government, there is some federal money too. But the money should follow the student. Mm-hmm. And if you have parents and children who live in areas where the public school is inferior, and that's frankly, that's most of the schools <laughs> yeah. in this district, uh, they should have the option to be able to use those funds for, for any other sort of alternative educational environment, uh, including homeschooling. Um, I want to encourage the listeners real quick. You just said most schools are, are failing. Yes. And I want to encourage the listeners to go to IllinoisReportCard.com. Look up your school district. You will see the latest scores on English language arts, the proficiency rate on reading, in science. And I think you will be astounded 
at the low proficiency rates that are being reported. Your, your tax dollars are not at work. No, and, oh, and you're spending plenty, as you probably know, as you pay your your property tax. Uh, most of that's going to the local school district, and you're not getting what you're paying for. No, you're not. And it's not just CPS, by the way. No, it I think isn't. we can all agree CPS is, a, is, is in a horrible situation. But there are many districts uh, that have these reputations of having good schools. That's right. But you look at those report cards, and it'll tell you something different. No, no. I, I would say the top 50 in Illinois, as, as far as the largest, are all failing in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, what could we do on the federal level to sure. encourage education choice? Or mandate the states do it. <laughs> but probably not the right. And my libertarian friends are saying, Dave, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> so the federal government... Uh, Congress grants money to the school districts, and they, and they do it for a specific purpose. Um, what's kind of interesting is that the states, and namely the governor, so J.B. Pritzker, can put their thumb on the scale and yeah. shift that money away from where it was intended to go to something else. And, of course, that's what he does. He's going to pull money away from conservative areas. Uh, you know, Orland Park, for example, a lot of its federal money gets pulled away from there and shipped back into you know CPS. Um, and they also use some of those federal statutes um, that are intended to deliver that money for uh, children with disabilities. Um, I think it's Title II is what they call it, um, to provide them with um, the education they need, right? Children who have certain disabilities and, and uh, need a different sort of learning environment. Um, they're using that, that Title II now uh, to ferret in things like CRT. Mm-hmm. Because the three of us are actually, turns out, disabled. We don't, we don't actually uh, believe in what they believe, and we need correction with CRT. So that's how they're backdooring that in through, through federal you know, grant money. Um, <laughs> ideally, I'd like, to, I'd like to stop all that. You know, the, these, these funding of schools and the decision-making should all be at the state and local level. Um, but as long as we have a, a U.S. Department of Education, as long as it's, it's, it's kicking money in the states, that's, that's where I'd like to, to invest that money, if you will, or prioritize it into the right things, you know, into, into, um, you know, into the STEM disciplines, the science and math and, and technology, also into, um, you know, better opportunities for non-college track kids, uh, more, more eff- uh, emphasis into, into the vocations. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're a trial lawyer, and you've handled hundreds of uh, cases in federal courts across the country. You've litigated uh, significant antitrust cases. Mm-hmm. So this is my question. <laughs> that brings me to social media uh, mm. and the censorship of conservatives. So is there sor- some sort of legal remedy to that? Uh, is it time to break up these big social media companies, et cetera? What do you think? I, I think we're at that point where we need to make that decision, right? Uh, we have these, these social media platforms. Um, they may be uh, publishers in the sense that they're selecting which content they promote and which That's they right. don't. Um, we have Congress right now, which which doesn't want to touch them with a ten foot pole, um, but they're too big. In a sense, they're carrying out the censorship that our federal government wants. Um, so they're they're a private actor actor, yes, but they're they're carrying out sort of you know wink and nod. You, going back to the the, the the Ministry of Justice or whatever that was called, uh, there is collusion. Absolutely, and and there's certain content that the White House is identifying, and the social you know the, the social media giants are are acting on that. So back in in February, Scott, we held a senatorial uh, candidate forum. Five of the five of the six candidates came to our forum. We recorded it, put it up on YouTube and on Rumble. Um, one of the first questions that was asked, in fact, it was the first question that was asked, was the election stolen? Mm-hmm. And almost all the candidates agree there were some irregularities. Some may, may, may have said it right out saying, yep, it was stolen. Some may have said it was irregular activities. But um, YouTube took us down and said, strike, <laughs> false information. That's not right. I mean, we're providing a public service. We're, we're not, you know, hey, guys, here are the candidates. You make up your mind. Listen to what they have to say. And, and they took right. it down? Right. Yeah. That's censoring the news. Mm-hmm. So you're saying... They have wrong opinion, right? Time, time to break these media companies up. That's why we have the antitrust laws on the books. When, when, a, when a, 
when a private actor gets <laughs> too big that they can that they can influence uh, to the extent that social media can right now. It's it's I think it's frightening. It is. And so I think it is it is time to look at at this from an antitrust perspective. You know, it would be one thing if they were touchable. If people can sue and say, you know, you are uh, engaging in viewpoint discrimination or something like that. Partisan politics. I don't know. You know, they they should be regulated like a 501c3. Mm-hmm. You can't be partisan. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're taking you're weighing in on the scale, you know, with your foot, your leg or whatever, <laughs> it's not right. So let's say you do win a big antitrust case against these big media, social media. <clears throat> what does the landscape look like after that? Yep. Well, presumably there'd be there'd be a, a number of smaller platforms, or or some of the smaller platforms would get more of the market share. You know, the, exactly. The getters of the world would get more market share. Exactly. Um, Truth Social. Truth Social will get more market share. Absolutely. Wow. Let me ask before we wrap this up, because we don't have a lot of time, and Scott's got to get back on the campaign trail here, Um, border control, a vitally important issue. When you hear how many people are coming across the border, we're we're talking 6 million unvetted, at least, right, that we know of, coming across. Now, as a son of an immigrant, as a husband of an immigrant, I love immigrants, you know. Their food is delicious, <laughs> for the most part. You know, the Irish can't cook. That's why I married a girl from Eastern Europe. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we need to vet these people because there are people who are coming across with ill intent or don't appreciate our freedoms and want to undermine our nation. And, hey, look, we're a big uh, a nation of big um, shoulders. We want to be a melting pot, not a mixing bowl. Um, and, and we want to invite people over to come and assimilate, assimilate. But at this rate, how can you possibly assimilate? What's your thoughts? What can we do about this situation? Well, yeah, I, the first thing we need to do is, is secure our borders. Amen right? to that so and, much. Especially yeah. our southern border. And, you know, Trump famously said he wanted a, a big, beautiful wall, right? But he also <laughs> he also wanted... A big, beautiful gate. Right, right. right. And, and, and we have the immigration laws on the books. We just need to enforce them. Uh, when my father came over here, um, it, took, it took his family uh, like, uh, five years to, to, to actually meet Same the requirements with, of the law. When my wife and I petitioned for her mother, five years, exactly. But they did, you know, they knew they were coming here the whole time. It was their, their uh, they were, you know, they were intent on coming here, and they did. Um, and we can do the same with our southern border. We can secure our southern border, and we can have you know legal ways of coming in and out of the country. Amen. Um, here's why the southern border is, is is particularly important to this district. You think, well, how could that be? We're nowhere near the <laughs> right? we're nowhere near the, the the border. But flowing over that border are drugs, guns, oh. and human trafficking. Fentanyl, man. Fentanyl, and Chicago is one of those destinations for all of that. So, and, yep. and it's it's it. Those drugs, uh, guns, uh, human trafficking, that's the currency that the gangs all operate on. So if we can secure a southern border and, and starve off the flow of all that illegal activity, it, it's going to cause the gangs to go out of business. And with that, we're going to see our, our crime rates fall yep. uh, dramatically. Amen. Well, Scott, Casper, you're running in the 6th Congressional District of Republican Got some competition out there. Tell our listeners why they should vote for you if they live in the sixth. Yeah, you know I, I don't need to run. I'm doing this because I feel we're at we're at a we're at a crossroads, and you know I'm running for my children, for your children, grandchildren, for the next generation uh, to take back this country uh, out of the hands of the communists and. You know, to make sure that my children, your children, and this next generation have the opportunities that we had. Yep. And 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 so that we can believe in the American dream again. Amen. And live in freedom. I think that's pretty good motive, motivation. All right, two questions, real quick, just lightning round. Um, Just in case you get nominated to the Supreme Court, Scott, (laughs) can you identify what a woman is? (laughs) Yes, I can. Okay. All right. Enough said. I don't need any more. Number two, don't you miss Donald Trump? I do, every single day. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Well, there you go. Scott Caps. <laughs> well, there you go. Scott Casper, the uh, IFA endorsed candidate for the 6th Congressional District, a Republican. And uh, you've got a website? I do. It's, it's Casper for Congress, and it's K A S P A R for Congress.com. And you're on Twitter and Facebook? Twitter, so Facebook. Find, find you, follow you. Before they can't you out. And, <laughs> That's right. And, and we want people to vote. Before or on June 28th, That's right. the sooner the better, probably, right? Sure. So they can't steal your ballot. That's right. Uh, go vote, and uh, if you want to learn more, go to casperforcongress.com and learn about uh, Scott. And um, and hopefully this, uh, this little program right here, this 30 minutes, will be a blessing to you and maybe convince you that we made the right decision in endorsing Scott Casper. Scott with a K. There you go. Yep. All right. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Dave, big banquet coming up. Yeah, we on October 28th, save the date, we've got Kevin and Sam Sorbo coming in. And uh, we'll, we, we've never had Hollywood stars before, Monty. We've had preachers and politicians. Now we've got Hollywood stars coming in. What's happening to IFI? Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> it'll be a blast, yeah. I'm sure. But, but it'll be a Herculean task to pull this there, off. There you go. All right. Uh, if you'd like more information, you can go to our website, IllinoisFamily.org. Yes. Click events. The info's right there. Or you can give us a call at 708-781-9328. And we have an early bird special through Labor Day. So if you want a little cheaper ticket, get it now. Yep, and I'm pretty sure we'll be serving chicken. So. Yep. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, thanks, folks, for tuning in. Do tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.